The word of Christ from the Gospel of Luke. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Father, we thank you so much for your holy word. We thank you that you've called us to be your people and that you've given us your word so that we might know you and that by knowing you, we might love you. Lord, help us this morning in these moments together to recognize and to, in some sense, understand the great love that you have for us how passionately you care for us as your people and how much you want us to be with you. Lord, we pray that you would help us as we, as we listen, as we think, as we worship, as we pray, as we prepare our hearts for your meal at your table. We pray that you would direct our thoughts and our attention toward your great love and toward a desire and a hunger to be with you and to know you. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. (laughs) Lindsay, I remembered what it was that I was forgetting at the time. I was going to tell you what kind of the theme of the service is. And, um, and that, that, um, that failed me whenever I was, um, when I was up here earlier this morning, we're, we're talking about the one thing that is needful in life. The one thing that is needful in life is actually to be near Jesus. According to Jesus, there is only one thing that is needful. And every other thing that has meaning finds its meaning in him. Every other thing in life that has purpose finds its purpose in him. Every other thing in life that has value finds its value in him. Because as Paul told the Athenians, in him, that is Christ, we live and move and have our being. And as Paul told the Colossians, in him, that is Christ, the son, in him, all things consist or are held together, are bound together. In our text this morning, we find Jesus at the home of two of his, what seemed to be his closest friends in the New Testament. In the gospel letters, you you remember in John's account uh, about the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And you'll remember that Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha, Well, that's the home that Luke is telling us Jesus has has entered into. And Martha, one sister, is up running around and rushing to and fro, getting the water that's needed, making sure there's plenty of bread, making sure there's plenty of wine, making sure that everyone's comfortable, making sure that people have, have been washed if they needed to be washed. If anybody needs something else, she's up kind of scurrying around doing the busy work of being a hostess. 
And she gets frustrated because her sister Mary is sitting there with Jesus. And the text tells us that she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's listening to him teach. She's spending time with her Lord, the one who came to be her Savior. And Martha, in her frustration, you can imagine how frustrated she probably is, thinks, what in the world is Mary doing? She and I are supposed to be up caring for everyone. We're supposed to be up making everyone comfortable. We're supposed to be up getting plates picked up and getting new plates out and things of that nature. And so in her frustration, she comes over to Jesus. Notice this is the first thing that the text tells us she says to Jesus. is her first personal interaction with the Lord who is in her house. Won't you tell her to get up and come help me? And Jesus' response to Martha is interesting. Notice he... He is, not, he is not judgmental to her. He does not tear her down. He simply acknowledges what Mary has chosen and elevates it above what Martha has chosen. Martha, Martha, Martha. You're anxious and troubled over so many things. And Mary has chosen the one thing that is needful. There's only one thing in life in this moment that really matters. Not that nothing else matters. Not that providing doesn't matter. Not that cleaning up doesn't matter. Not that setting up doesn't matter. I mean, some of us got here at 9 o'clock this morning. We've been setting up and running like a bunch of rats everywhere Tables have been moving and going and couches have been picked up. People have probably thrown out backs this morning. All that sort of stuff has happened. But all that sort of stuff has happened for this moment. For this here. Not just so that we can gather together, but so that we can meet with Jesus. Jesus does not tell Martha, none of what you're worrying about matters. He says there is only one thing in this world that matters and everything else finds its meaning and its mattering in that one thing. We don't often live life that way. We don't live in this type of reality where all of who we are and all of what we have and all of what we do finds its meaning in Christ. See, what we do with Jesus is we typically try to fit him into our lives, if, if we do that. And not everybody does that. But typically, when we think of what it means to be a Christian, when we think of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple, we think, okay, we've got to make sure that we, we have time for Jesus. Maybe we carve out the first day in the week and we gather together as, as God's people in his place uh, and, and we, we try to worship and begin our week that way. Maybe it's in the mornings we, we, try to, we try to read some scripture, maybe say a prayer or two. Maybe it's at the end of the day we try to fit him in there. But typically, our relationship with Jesus is about trying to fit him in. But notice that Jesus says that this one thing that is needful, it's not the most important thing needful. That's not what he says. 
It's not this is the top priority of all the priorities. He doesn't say that this is the most needful thing. He doesn't say that this is the one need that we all share together. He says there is only one thing needful. You see, Jesus is not a cog in the wheel of life. He's not just a priority. He's not just a part. He is not a cog in the wheel. He's not even the biggest cog or the most important cog. He's not the the single strategically important cog that if that cog's not in place, everything falls out. No, Jesus is the wheel itself. He is the wheel itself. And all other cogs either find their place in him or they are cogs that are inordinately being injected into the wheel of life, causing catastrophe and a wreck of life. Martha's problem was not in what she was doing. It was not in serving. It was instead in what she was not doing, what she failed to do. And Mary's good fortune in life was not her neglect of work. It wasn't that, oh, there's some great blessing to Mary being able to just rest and stop working. It's rather what she was doing. She was being with Jesus, the Master, the Lord, and the center of all things that are good. You see, none of the good things that we do and none of the good things that we have in the end matter one bit. If in the end we miss Jesus, we miss the one in whose presence we gather. We miss the one in, to whom we or who we have invited into our homes, into the homes of our lives. Nothing matters if we miss him in the end. None of those things that we make ourselves so busy doing and so busied about, those things that we make images of and share on Facebook and Instagram, I do it as much as you do, possibly more than some of you. Those things that we think are important in life, not a career, not sports, not success, not even reputation, not vacation, not intelligence, how many books you read, not health, not even family or friends. Paul would say, not even the good that we do for others the great worship that we enjoy even. Nothing in the end matters apart from love, apart from loving God and be the recipients of his love for us. Some of the things that we busy ourselves about in life help toward that end of loving Christ in all things. And some of the things that we busy ourselves about in life actually hinder the love of God in our lives. I want to encourage you and I want to be encouraged this morning to not miss Jesus. It is possible to have Him in your home. It is possible to have Him there with your people, there with your family. It is possible to be so close to Him and yet miss Him because of all of the other stuffs all of the other cares, all of the other things, all of the other priorities, all of the other responsibilities and things that have to be done in life. 
But what happens when we encounter the Lord Jesus, what happens when we spend time with him, when we fail to miss him, when we see him and honor him as the center of our lives, and we make sure to see what he's doing in all aspects of our lives, is he begins to transform us. He reorders our lives. Sometimes he removes things from our lives that are just hindrances. Sometimes, sometimes he brings other things into our lives that can help us draw closer to him and can urge us on in him. He remakes us in his image. I mentioned earlier, uh, this, they refer to this as the black box theater, which is obviously a theatrical idea or theatrical term. It's a, 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 a term that theatrical groups are, are commonly familiar with. I prefer to think of this in, uh, in photographic terms instead, though. I was thinking this week, this is the dark room. You know what happens in a dark room. Images are developed. It's in a dark room that you develop images. And I was thinking, okay, if we each are images of God, if we are people made in God's image, and this is the black box that we're going to meet in, why not think of it as the dark room? This is where we gather together to have his image developed in us. Because that's what really happens when we spend time with Jesus. That's what really happens when we begin to see him as the center of our lives, the thing that the, the one thing that is needful, not just most needful, but the one thing needful that all other things find their needfulness in and find their meaning and purpose and value in is we begin to think differently. We begin to think about our lives differently. We begin to think about our relationships differently. We begin to think about our homes differently. Mary recognized that the Lord Jesus was there in her very home and she didn't want to miss him. She wanted to sit at his feet. She wanted to learn from him. She wanted to hear what he had to say. Martha was so caught up in trying to create the perfect atmosphere, trying to create the perfect setting, trying to make sure that all of the responsibilities were covered. And we need people who take responsibility for the work. We need people who can help get the house together. Those of you showing up at our house this Tuesday night, I guarantee you this, a couple hours before you get there, there will be lots of scurrying. There will be lots of vacuuming. There'll be putting up stuff. There'll probably be a box or a tote that's having stuff just scooped off into it. And then that'll probably be run to the basement. Lindsay was joking with David earlier about, about the basement. That's why I don't let anybody down in my basement. And that's where all the stuff goes. And every once in a while, we just clear it all out and donate it. We haven't used it in years. We don't need it. Get it out of here. All of that stuff has to happen, you know? You've hosted people in your house before. You've, like, put a house together before. You've known, hey, I've got company coming over, or, or mom and dad are coming to visit, or, or whatever it is, and we've got we to gotta make things tidy. We've got to clean things up. We've got to get things laid out exactly how they need to be. If folks are coming over to share in a meal, you've scurried and 
you know, run around wild, making sure that everything's cooked, that the groceries before that were purchased and that everything's done just as it all as it ought to be. What plates are we going to use? Are we using disposables to throw them away and make it easier? Are we doing stuff that we're going to be cleaning? All that stuff has to be thought about. It has to be worked through and has to be done. But when Jesus enters the room, all of that stuff fades into the background. And the only thing that matters is what he's doing and what he wants to say and how he wants to spend time with us. There, there are a couple of things that go into hospitality. It's a, a word that we often talk about in church circles as hospitality. And one of the things that we, the thing that we typically think of as hospitality is all of the stuff that has to be done in preparation. We think of hospitality as being a preparatory type idea. It's the cleaning. It's the, the preparing of coffee and things like that. It's the making sure that everything's laid out as it, as it needs to be. It's a lot of work that's involved. But hospitality also means not just preparing a room, but also making room when the guests show up. It's possible for me to think that I'm being hospitable by having folks over and I'm making sure everything's done and still the guest still the still the guest feels as though I am distant because I'm caught up in all of the behind the scenes stuff. I'm caught up in what all has to be done and I'm not spending time with them. Martha was caught up in all of the work that has to be done and Mary made room in the moment for Jesus. Jesus wants to change us. He wants to remake his image in us. He wants to undo the work of the fall in our lives. And he does that by giving us himself, by showing up, by condescending, by coming, by arriving, by making himself present to us. He is the second Adam and what has fallen in the first Adam, Christ comes to undo. Christ comes to fix and to heal and to bound to bind up. He comes to destroy the power of sin, to undo the curse of sin, to crush the hold of sin on our lives. And so what he does is he comes and he undoes what Adam did. Adam and Eve took and ate, believing the lie. And they were expelled as a result. They were removed from the garden. They were sent away. They became distant from God and distant also even from one another and all of creation. And they became wanderers. But Jesus comes. He shows up at the house. He shows up where we are in life. And he invites us to come. He invites us to himself. And he offers to undo what's happened in the fall. He invites us not to go away, but to draw near. He invites us not to wander, but to follow him. He invites us not, not just to take, but to receive what he gives. Adam and Eve believed the lie and took and ate, the scriptures say. But Jesus invites us to believe in him 
the truth and to also take and eat, but to take and eat what he has provided, to take and eat what he graciously gives to us as a gift. He welcomes us into his family, the church. He welcomes us as pilgrims who are on the journey of life, who, who oftentimes find ourselves wandering and directionless and aimless. He invites us, come, be my pilgrim people. He invites people like Mary and Martha to slow down in life and to go where he's headed, to listen to what he has to say. And as we are on the journey of faith and life and following Jesus as disciples, he gives us what's needed for the journey. He provides for us those things that we so often want so, so often desperately wish for as we journey. He offers us food and he offers us fellowship. You gotta have something to eat. You gotta have something to nourish your souls. You gotta have something to nourish the body. And you really want someone to travel with, someone to experience with. And notice that that food and fellowship are always bound together in the scriptures. Food is fellowship. To fellowship is to feast. And Mary and Martha and all those who've gathered together in their house, they're sitting at table with Jesus. They have an opportunity to fellowship together, an opportunity to share a meal together. Redemption comes to the houses of our lives when we follow the lead of Jesus. He makes the way for us. He is the, the great pioneer of our pilgrim journey and he makes a way for us to follow. He drew near to us and he draw near, draws near to us even now in moments that we gather together as the church. He drew near in obedience to the Father and in the power of the Spirit, and so must we draw near to Him. He invites us, take, eat, take, drink. He gives, He initiates, He offers. We can only receive, but His invitation to us is quite clear. We must do something. We must take. We must come ready. He will not force his gift upon us, but he makes it readily available to us. He will not impose his love, his grace upon us. You must want it. We must want it. We must desire it. We must hunger for it and thirst for it. We have to trust him for it. We must freely receive what he freely gives and we must freely take what he freely offers to us. And he gives himself. He gives himself completely and unreservedly. He shows up. And so must we give ourselves to him completely and unreservedly. He invites us to show up, to show up where he's working to show up where he is, to gather where he gathers. The most important thing we can do in life 
is recognize our need for him, knowing that he is the one thing that is needful and all other things find their meaning and their purpose and their value in him. And recognizing that need for him, we make room for him. We make ourselves available to him. We say to him, surrendered and drawn near, Lord Jesus, do what you would do in my life. Lord Jesus, remake me. Touch every part of my life, everything that I've got going on, all of the responsibilities and priorities and all of those things, Lord Jesus, ground them in you. Center them upon you. And if there's anything in there that needs to be removed, if there's any grievous way in me, if there's anything distracting, Lord, give me the grace and the strength to remove it. Because in the end, if we don't make room for him, and if we miss him, we've missed out on everything. Because he is the one thing needful. Don't miss him. As we sing and as we prepare our hearts to come to the table, don't let this just be some ritual we do. Don't let this be just something we happen to do because we're church people and that's just what we do. Don't miss Jesus. He's given to us ways that we can interact with Him, but we've got to intend to surrender ourselves to Him. We've got to make room for Him in our lives. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would move among us by your Spirit. Draw us to you. Open our eyes to what you are doing. Help us to make room for you in our lives. Holy Spirit, please search our hearts. Please, please search our minds. Please give us the grace to give ourselves completely to Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please check out our website at faithmethodistchurch.org.